I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. So welcome, this is our first episode of The Mindful Storyteller, and I'm Michael Malley. And I'm Ollie Run Erickson Malley. And um, we're, uh, we've been together as a couple for how many years? 25 years. 25 years, yeah, and, and been doing the storytelling work. I've been professionally telling stories for... Since 1996. Since 1996. And so, so, so what we're hoping to do with this, um, this program is to really kind of provide an interface between stories and storytelling, story listening, story reading, and mindfulness. And, you know, in terms of the mindfulness work, we've... Um, we've been on many mindfulness retreats since the 1990s uh, with our family. Yeah. I think each time we've gone with our family. Yeah, we've gone on mindfulness retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk. And yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so we're going to talk about how these things uh, play out together. And each week... We'll have the podcasts here, and we'll also each week have a um, post a blog, amusing, and and the the blogs are broken into three sections. At least this is how we're starting out doing this. We're going to have a quote at the beginning, uh, kind of the main body of it that I've written, and then um, and then the third section is kind of a applications, direct action that you could take. And this first this first blog that I wrote is I'm calling it the Gilded Age. G U I L D E D, um, and it's talks because we talk in here about um, the existence of guilds and and you know where there's a master and apprentice and and, and that sort of thing. So um, we're going to use the uh, the mindfulness bell uh, as we're doing this and tell us a little bit. So we we first encountered the mindfulness bell at some of these retreats that we went to with Thich Nhat Hanh, and. Um, in his practice, um, they just use it to bring your attention back to the present moment. And so when you hear the bell, it's just a time to bring your attention back to right now. You could take a deep breath when you hear it. It's kind of, it, can be a, it can be a reminder to breathe, but just to be here right now, because that's where we're alive. Yeah, and, and just to, to really just enjoy the sound of the bell, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna... Um, they say you don't even strike the bell, you know, very non-violent. You invite the bell to sound. Um, and uh, I'll invite the bell, and then Ollie will read the, uh, the quote um, that begins uh, today's musing. And, and again, we're going to use this, we're going to use the musing as kind of, a, um, kind of a catalyst for just a brief discussion here. First we are the apprentice. 
painstakingly learning the basics of our craft. Then we become the journeymen, trained apprentices who are able to travel from place to place practicing our craft. Finally, we become masters of our craft and are honored as repositories of skill. Caitlin Matthews, The Celtic Spirit, page 73. So Matthews, in her book, she speaks of this, uh, how the guilds worked, right? That there's um, a master-apprentice relationship and that slowly, over course of time, um, one moves toward the role of, of master. And uh, I chose this quote uh, because Ruth Sawyer, um, Ruth Sawyer, uh, she was a children's author. She was a librarian. Uh, perhaps best known, she won the Newbery Medal for... Um, for her book Roller Skates that was written in the early 1900s. But she wrote children's books, um, novels for adults as well. But uh, one of my favorite books, a book that's really important to me, is a book she wrote in 1942 called The Way of the Storyteller. And, and so in that book she, um, she talks about um, an elderly um, man from, uh, who, who came to their home and he was an upholsterer. And he had been involved um, in the upholstery guilds back in the mid-1800s. And, and, and so then he talks about that and then she reflects on this in terms of thinking about the old, you know, storytelling guilds that the bards might have had in Ireland and that sort of thing. And, and, and here she is in 1942 kind of longing for that um, uh, experience. Um, and then I, I, I kind of take that in the main body and, and, and relate that to um, uh, to the elders that we have who can, who can be masters for us today uh, as we're all in the kind of the apprentice role as story listeners. So, you know, um, yep. So, oh, go ahead. Are you going to read it? No. Yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Uh, so I'm going to do, I'll ring the bell and then I'll read this middle section and then um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. glasses though if I'm going to read it. In the year 1942, Ruth Sawyer stews over what can be accomplished with traditional storytelling in such modern times. She recalls an elderly upholsterer who visited her home in the 1920s to have some furniture recovered. He told of his youth working in an upholstery guild of Europe in the mid-1800s. He said, money. We did not know what money was. We were sheltered, we were fed, we were taught. We lived only for our work, the rightness and beauty of it. We honored the guild, the master, and our patron saint. We knew if we were good, industrious boys, we'd be masters someday. Then it would be our turn to pass on to the apprentices the best of what we had learned, what we had invented for ourselves. 
He laments that there is now neither pride nor honor in the work, and that the young men want only money to earn and to spend. In a technocratic society that exalts speed, efficiency, money, and the latest technologies, elders are often seen as incompetent and superfluous, if not simply burdensome. One Tibetan teacher is blunt in his observation of Western culture. In most areas, the grandparents' wisdom is no longer needed, and they have no role to play. They end up in an old age home or a retirement community, and occasionally they come to visit their grandchildren and watch how nicely they play. Storytelling, and even more so story listening, represent radical acts of subversion. We do not have storytelling guilds with masters and apprentices like the European Upholstery Guild of the mid-1800s, but we do have elders, and they do have stories. We can subversively choose to exalt slowness, inefficiency, and the old technology of a couple of mugs to hold our coffee or tea as we sit and listen and exchange stories with an elder. First thing that comes to mind um, hearing that is uh, 25 years ago when I met you, Michael, uh, what you told me was that you visit your parents once a month. <laughs> that one week in a month, and that I, I just have to know that one week in a month you'd be up at your parents' house. It's about three hours away. About three hours away. Um, and very soon, with within few months I was going up with you almost every time we yeah, I yeah. had a five-year-old daughter that's your stepdaughter now right um, and we would go up with you and go up on a Friday night come back on a Sunday yeah and what we do you were teaching then right? I was teaching then um, and you were teaching then too that first year oh that's right the first year I was we were both teaching, teaching elementary school yeah so we would go up and one of the things your family did was just hang out and talk and I'd hear all sorts of stories and your family was so different than mine um, it just a very different family which we'll talk about I'm sure as time goes on but um, hearing your mom and your dad and your mom and your dad they would sit at their kitchen table the two of them smoking their cigarettes <laughs> just talking themselves and uh, and then we'd listen but a lot of times and it's still this way 25 years later you would go off to a coffee shop or something in the morning mm -hmm. and I would be there left with them Jasmine and me we would be there and I would listen to their stories and at the beginning I used to I used to some of their stories didn't quite sit well with me it was such a different kind of life and I would try to you know, get my point across about how I felt different about things, and I still do that somewhat. Sure. But uh, the more I've gone up there, and now since your dad passed, he passed a few years after we started going yeah, up there. Yeah, it's been over 20 years since since my dad passed away. Yeah. yeah, that I'm up there listening to your mom's stories, and at some point I just made a decision that I just want to listen 
and learn from her. I mean, she was born in 1929. She, you know, lived as a child through the Great Depression, through World War II, uh, having kids um, in the late 1940s and raising kids in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And there was just so much to learn from her. And again, so different than my family. Um, and I still, 25 years later, still spending at least one weekend a month up there with your mom. Right. I'll, I'll be heading up uh, this Friday. <laughs> yeah. Listening to some of the same stories. Sometimes I get a different story. Yeah, once in a while. Uh, but it, our kids have gotten to listen to these stories now. And uh, they're just precious. They're just It's a whole different time period, a whole different way of life. And to be able to see things a little bit through her eyes has mm-hmm. been wonderful. And, and at some point, I were thinking, like, I spend more time with my mother-in-law than almost any other woman. Maybe my mom and our older daughter, uh, who's now 30, like the two of them and your mother-in-law, the three women that I spend the most time with. Right. And what a blessing that yeah, and has a, and been. A, and a lot of that time, I'm sorry for interrupting, but a lot of that time is in story. I mean, like, you know, your mom, she lives out of town, but she stays with us about once a week usually. And um, it happened last week. It'll probably happen again this week. I think she's she's coming in tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she'll stay overnight for a night, and then you you two in the morning will be sitting there at the breakfast table, and they'll be you know talking about ideas and and you know different things going on in our lives. But also there's a lot of there's a lot of sharing there too. You know, when you were speaking too, I was thinking of you know just um, when we met. Both of your grandfathers were alive, Pappy and 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 Granddaddy, and I never knew my grandparents. I mean, I'm sorry, I knew my grandmothers, but I never knew my grandfathers. My grandfathers died in 1929 and 1931. So I remember, um, you know, Pappy was a lot more forthcoming, and Granddaddy, you had to kind of sit and wait. But I remember just loving hearing their stories and hearing their perspectives. And those two men were very different from each other. But again, just hearing, hearing the stories. And I mean, that's one of the things we talk about with the Mindful Storyteller is, um, yeah, how do we create the space for that? Whether we're listening to the kids' stories or sharing our own stories or whether it's a folktale or a family story, how do we create the space? Um, and and, and I, I think that uh, bringing presence and mindfulness to this is just... Um, it's what we do. <laughs> it's what my family does, even if like mindfulness may not be a word in their vocabulary, mm. but but it's pure presence, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever Thanksgiving, Christmas, everybody sitting at the table, all laughing together, the story's being shared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, um, we welcome you to look at the the the, the blog with the three parts of today's musing is is online as well and. And Ollie will read the uh, the third section of that for us, and I'll I'll ring the bell both before and after. And these are just a couple little thoughts, reflections uh, to get us thinking more about uh, storytelling and and how we can how we can be apprentices uh, as story listeners as well. And um, and we'll have a comment section, you know, with the with the blog. So if you want to add some of your thoughts in too, that some of the things that you share with us may lead to uh, uh, what we talk about on, on, on further further uh, podcasts with the Mindful Storyteller. So here's the third section after the bell. And again, um, wherever you're at, if you're listening to this, I, we invite you to just be present and enjoy the sound of the bell.
Is there an elder in your life that you'd like to spend some time with this month? Michael's 89-year-old mother still has her 97-year-old big sister, so your age may not preclude finding an elder. Schedule a time to get together. Think of it as entering an old-time storytelling guild. The elder is the master, you are the apprentice. Appreciate their stories, even if you've heard them before. Note their tones of voice, their gestures or lack of gesture, their facial expressions, their little nuances of speech. Appreciate their telling, listen, enjoy, learn. I'm Michael Mallon, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.